everybody. Welcome to the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd at time of recording. Obviously, you're listening to this later than October 3rd, but everything we say happened on October 3rd. So we got to recap the NFL, college football, baseball playoffs. There's a lot going on at this point in time because it is October. We've been waiting for this. Donnie, you're my my awesome, great friend, co-host. You're on the show. You're back again. Your name is still Donnie. How you doing, man? Yeah, definitely hasn't changed in the last week. We, uh, my name is is still the same, but yeah, um, doing well. Obviously, if we had recorded this last night, I would not have been doing well. I would have, would have been doing very sad. I, I would have been been feeling very bad about everything, pretty much. It was a horrible, horrible Monday night football game from the New York Giants. But the fact that we're recording on Tuesday night, RK, I've I've had twenty one hours to to really t- take it all in. And, and really experience, you know, just the pain of losing very, very badly once again. Um, but I, I, I'm doing good today. It's been a good Tuesday uh, after a, a big reflection day, RK. Let me tell you, a big reflection day. But it's been a good Tuesday. You know, that, that says a lot about your character, Donnie, your ability to bounce back. Because what you had to witness on, on national television was almost a crime. I mean, that was really just tough to see. I mean, not only did the Giants just get destroyed and Daniel Jones played terrible, but like Drew Locke just like randomly came in and was like diamond people up all of a sudden. You're like, come on, like, are we got to Like, where, where are we going right now with the Giants? Like, come on, that was tough. I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to rub it in any further because the spirits are boosted a little bit, but it, it was an ugly game for the Giants and for Daniel Jones. It's not going good right now. Uh, but Donnie, let's just shift gears. Let's just talk about the Eagles real quick. You know, I'm excited about the Eagles on the other side of the NFC East at this point in time. And they kind of snuck one out against the Commanders. They obviously give them some fits. Last year, they had an ugly Monday night football game, speaking of which, where the Commanders ended up winning. Taylor Heineke was, like, celebrating, like, a 15-yard pass interference penalty. Like, it was terrible. It was really tough to watch. So, uh, Eagles, they did not make it look pretty. They were actually losing pretty big in the uh, first half uh, and, and blew their lead in the second half, giving up a touchdown on the last play of regulation to a wide open Jahan Dotson all of a sudden but nevertheless they come out on top uh Jake Elliott uh, MVP performance from him uh game-winning field goal and AJ Brown obviously uh the real star of the show for uh for Philly uh in this Eagles offense so uh obviously a lot to like for the Eagles at 4-0 they move on they'll play the Rams uh this upcoming week that's a team that has given them some fits in the past so um that should be a good matchup for a Rams team that seems to be bouncing back a little bit we'll obviously wait and see if Cooper Cup is in on there but uh um, obviously a light lot to like from an Eagles standpoint uh, on that one. Let's run through a couple of the other games, Donnie, and then we can kind of share some some overall takeaways from the week. Bills and Dolphins, this one was a headliner uh, for both of us heading into the week, and all of a sudden it turned into a, an absolute blowout for the Buffalo Bills. Um, they absolutely did a great job defensively with their pass rush, uh, not what the Denver Broncos did a week ago, uh, giving up 70 points uh, if you missed that one, but not the same case. Bills play really well. Josh Allen plays really well. Big games for Diggs, a couple touchdowns uh we saw uh for him so uh bill stars show out in a big divisional one and then sunday night football uh, the chiefs and the jets there was a lot of exterior storylines that were intentionally not going to mention but it ends up being a kansas city chiefs victory uh that was also not very pretty the jets were hanging in this for a long time got to give zach wilson some credit which we definitely haven't done much on this podcast before donnie but he actually played pretty solid in this game uh and gave the jets a chance um to compete but in the end it is the chiefs who get a win in that one so Donnie, thoughts for you around the NFL uh, on some of those games? What kind of stands out uh, in what we saw on Sunday? Yeah, I think there's two things that uh, I want to talk about about the games that were mentioned. First off, with the Buffalo Bills, I was really stunned to see Miami's defense just like laid down in the first half. I I wouldn't have imagined 
seeing Miami go out there and give up 31 points in the first two quarters against anybody, let alone the uh, the Bills. Obviously, we saw them week one. They kind of sort of struggled to slow down the Chargers offense, uh, but their offense was enough uh, this week. Uh, I guess going into Buffalo is just like hell. It's really the only real comparison here. It's just so hard to play in Buffalo, and they were very clearly outplayed uh, immediately. It's not even like Buffalo tried to run the ball. Like they probably gave 10 carries to James Cook, um, which is, you know, let's just be honest here. It's fine. 10 carries to running back. Okay. But it was just, it was a, a really just strong effort, I would say. Uh, Josh Allen kind of doing, doing the most. Obviously, he scored on the ground, uh, but also very, very accurate and very, very efficient. I guess is the right word, which is not something we've seen out of Josh Allen recently. And so that was pretty surprising to me. And also, as you mentioned, Zach Wilson, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit. Um, I do think the, the first quarter was tough for them in general. Obviously, you go down 17-0 against the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of people probably considered shutting the game off at that point. Uh, but it is interesting to see that was about as good of an adversity check as you can get, I think, in the NFL. Like, you get slapped in the face. You're down 17 in the first quarter, and then you go out there. You put up a couple touchdowns with Zach Wilson. Um, throw the ball fairly accurately against the Chiefs defense that has been pretty good, um, all things considered. And the one thing that really surprised me is Zach Wilson didn't really get sacked. I was expecting the Chiefs uh, get on him all game, uh, send a lot of different looks at him, blitz him a lot. He only got sacked twice. Um, one of them at the end of the game, I believe, which didn't really matter, uh, like a sack on, on one of the last drives where he didn't really have a chance. So obviously, we saw the Chiefs run off eight minutes at the end of the game. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to give credit to Zach Wilson. I also want to give credit to Patrick Mahomes. Um, obviously, you know, he's been slandered to the point where like people are saying, oh, he's paying the refs. The refs, they want Mahomes to win on on, on Monday night or Sunday night or, or whatever primetime game. And it is really interesting just to see like, even when Pat Mahomes has a bad game, he's still fine. Uh, he had a really bad game for his standards. Uh, but the fact that they can, that last drive was like as close to a masterclass as possible. Obviously, there are some question marks with the refereeing and everything. But like, RK, you drain an entire half of the fourth quarter, seven and a half minute drive to seal the game at the end. Like, even after you've had a, a shit game, pardon my French. He, that's just unbelievable, in my opinion. That's what sets aside a superstar quarterback from a regular quarterback, uh, even with the refereeing questions and all that. Like, so impressive. Seven and a half minutes to kill the clock in the game and and, and just win the game for your team, put the team on your back kind of deal. Yeah, situational football. Like, it's easy to make fun of, like, the game managers. But even Pat Mahomes, he needs to be a game manager, obviously, at some times, too. So, uh, yeah, good points on that. Uh, just touch on a, a couple other scores that stood out uh, around the NFL from this past weekend. Uh, Cowboys absolutely beat the shit out of the Patriots. Uh, worst loss Bill Belichick has ever had, 38-3. Uh, to three. Uh, We saw C.J. Stroud have a pretty solid game for the Houston Texans, who now all of a sudden have a couple wins. Uh, Stroud had 300 yards, two touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Uh, and it seems like Kenny Pickett may be kind of banged up. Uh, it might be Mitch Trubisky time in Pittsburgh. That could kind of uh, impact things in terms of their season a little bit. Uh, Titans beat the Bengals big. Uh, more struggles for Cincinnati early on. And we even saw the Ravens um, pretty handily give the Browns a loss uh, as well over the weekend. So uh, definitely some interesting scores. Uh, very lopsided um, for some teams that played on the road too, which is uh, kind of interesting outside of the Cowboys uh, of those games just mentioned. 
mentioned uh, good games. Christian McCaffrey, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, uh, a couple of guys we, we touched on uh, the Niners as well. They continue to, to play good football. Uh, McCaffrey was really dominant uh, over the weekend. So um, definitely some, uh, some interesting things starting to shape shape into, uh, into the NFL season, but very early on uh, let's bounce over to college football. Now, Donnie, at this point, uh, I got to talk about Iowa first uh, Miami, the U they, they were off. They were, they were on a bye this weekend, but Iowa got a win in pretty dramatic fashion. Cooper DeGene, uh, you got to check out this guy if you have not yet. Uh, Iowa cornerback, uh, but had a big punt return touchdown uh, to seal this thing for the Hawkeyes uh, at Kinnick. Seemed like a pretty electric atmosphere for that one, but definitely, obviously, the, the story out of this game has to be their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara, uh, Michigan transfer towards ACL, going to be out for the season, so that's obviously a big blow uh, for the Hawkeyes uh, moving forward, but uh, nevertheless, had a pretty dramatic win. Fun to, to see that one uh, happen. As mentioned, definitely got to check out Cooper Jean. This guy's been, been killing it. Definitely uh, going to be rising up draft boards and, and has been really, really fun in his Iowa career. Uh, but probably the game of the weekend, in my opinion, Donnie, Ole Miss, LSU. LSU, I, you guys know I, I like LSU. I've been an LSU fan, and they lost this game, but I still had a great time watching this. Uh, I've always been a fan of this Lane Kiffin offense, and yeah, Alabama just shut them down, but uh, they are so fun to watch. I really like Quinshawn Judkins uh, in, in their offense. They're running back. Um, they have a couple different guys they mix in, but gosh, this was such a fun game to watch. You don't always see these kind of shootouts in the SEC. Usually it's kind of reserved for big 12 football. Stereotypically, we even saw a shootout in the Pac-12 too, but uh, definitely an old-fashioned shootout in, uh, in the South. Uh, between Ole Miss and LSU. That one was a blast to watch. Uh, definitely check out the highlights if you missed that one. And then USC uh, pretty pretty much dominated Colorado in the first half. Colorado clawed their way back in it and got a lot of credit for it. But I think USC pretty much had this one in the bag with Caleb Williams having a pretty dominant performance. So um, pretty fun weekend in, in college football. Uh, a couple of games there. What kind of stood out uh, on, on your TV watching uh, in some of those games or around the college football, Donnie? Yeah, it is sad and it is about a loser, but I'm going to shout out Jaden Daniels because I was just very surprised to see uh, not only, you know, Jackson Dart had a great game, but Jaden Daniels had 500 plus all-purpose yards. He scored five times, did everything possible except win the game. Like, uh, I, I find it really hard to blame anybody who puts up 40 plus 50 points on offense um, for, for losing that. But yeah, it was just that game in particular, like nobody was getting stops. Not at all. They were getting backup running backs, and obviously Bentley on Mississippi had a couple big runs, and we also saw LSU. It was interesting seeing them hand the ball off because I was always thinking, like, Jane Daniels is the only one on this team that really has a pulse, like, all game. Uh, but they actually got a decent a decent run game out of Logan Diggs, too, which was uh, so, sort of surprising because coming into the game, um, looking into – prepping just for my job specifically but in general I was thinking okay so it's the Jaden Daniels to Malik Neighbors show it's the Jaden Daniels to Brian Thomas show but I didn't expect to have a, a positive run game outside of what Jaden Daniels already brought to the table um, it is a shame that LSU has two losses here because they are incredibly fun to watch even if you're losing a game 55 49 like there's 104 points in the game market are you going to complain about 104 points between uh, a two teams I'm certainly not yeah, I, I, the only thing I, I mean, I would have been nice to see LSU get this thing done. I mean, uh, you shouted out Brian Thomas Jr. Though that's who I was going to mention. Uh, like I said, you know, when we've known about Malik Neighbors, I was one of the guys I highlighted coming into the season for LSU. But uh, Brian Thomas has been unbelievable this year. Already has eight touchdowns in the season. We've only played five games, so um, he's definitely uh, having a really strong season, Junior, uh, for LSU. Uh, and you shouted out Diggs as well. A good game uh, running the ball. But it is all Miss in the end of the day. Uh, Jackson Dart four touchdowns, uh, almost four hundred yards. Pass passing so uh he definitely was uh was doing a nice job spreading the ball around a little bit too so uh good uh good action in uh in college football 
uh, over the weekend. Uh, definitely got some big games coming up. LSU, we were just talking about them. They got to go play Missouri, who kind of quietly is 5-0 and at this point, and uh, that should be an interesting matchup, uh, in my opinion, in Columbia. Should be a good atmosphere uh, there. And then Oklahoma, Texas, always one of the best rivalries uh, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas for the uh, Red River rivalry. Um, you know, two teams 5-0, and and they definitely don't like each other. So uh, I think if there would be a team to give Texas their first loss, I think Oklahoma could be the team to do it. I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, any other games or or any of those you're excited uh, for this upcoming week, Donnie? Uh, I know you'll be you'll having your eye uh, around the country. Yeah, I definitely will. Uh, it is interesting just to see. Like, I, I still feel like, and I, maybe I'm wrong on this. It still feel it feels like there's way too many Humpty games still at this point in the season. Okay, like I was thinking last week, it was a pretty good schedule, and then you come back to this week, and there's still like even in conference games, like there's a lot of bad, bad, really heavily slanted in conference games and it really just does leave you to believe like maybe at some point and this this is a totally wild take rk maybe we got to get rid of conferences and just have all the all the right teams schedule each other for for an 11 game schedule throughout the season because i really don't want to see these mediocre teams playing against any of the high ranked teams at this point in the season like i really don't want to watch virginia tech play in florida state there's not a chance in hell that it goes well for virginia tech there we already know you can write them off this, it's not even a trap game it's not even fun and that goes for like half the schedule uh so I, i'm at a point where I'm, a, I'm at a little bit of a loss watching college football because it does seem like last week even with the games that were built to be really exciting or or maybe potentially uh you know semi-close like the florida kentuckys of the world uh, kansas texas obviously it's a little bit different with kansas because they were without their starting quarterback but there's a lot of blowouts in college football arcade there's a ton of blowouts in college football yeah, the one that comes to mind for me on that, Donnie, has got to be Maryland-Ohio State. This is just like a funny matchup for me every year because Ohio State has never lost to Maryland since they've joined the Big Ten, 8-0 for Ohio State. And Ohio State has never scored fewer than 43 points head-to-head against Maryland. And that was last season. They scored 43 points, and that's the least amount of points they've scored in the eight-game history between Ohio State and Maryland. It's just a yearly just shootout. There was one year, I got to shout out, 2018. Maryland was close, okay? It was 52-51, but you still lost the game, okay, Terps? Like, uh, get used to it. Uh, I think you have at this point, uh, but that definitely highlights your point, Donnie, of like, maybe we don't need to see this uh, at a yearly basis. Maybe it'd be cool to see like Ohio State and even just like a Clemson or something like that. that Fine, you great. That would be a good time. I mean, I think the COVID year kind of showed us that too. Like, I think before COVID, it would have been like, no way we would see this. But like college football since COVID has been insane. Like we, I remember that one game between, I think it was BYU and Coastal Carolina. There were two like ranked teams. They were like, we don't have a team to play next week. Let's play. And it was like five days notice. A classic. It turned out to be a great game too. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely could be something on the horizon. I hope so. uh, If it takes out, like you said, some kind of like massive blowouts that we're expecting on a yearly basis, like Ohio State 20 point favorite against Maryland. I mean, come on. Like, uh, you know, we'll see even if uh, Maryland is 5-0. and So I don't want to jinx it too much, but I mean, I'm not going to be too surprised if Ohio State stomps on Maryland uh, yet again for the ninth straight time. But um, yeah, that's what's coming up in college football. Let's move over to baseball, though, Donnie. A lot of football talk to start it, uh, as we should. Fun time of year. Uh, but baseball, we finally got here, Donnie. Finally, we've reached the postseason in baseball. We've been talking about baseball forever. But nevertheless, this is fun now. It's an exciting time of year. And we have some good matchups. Uh, let's start with the American League. We get the Rangers playing the Rays and the Blue Jays playing the Twins. In these best of three wild card series. Um, obviously, we know the two teams that got buys in the AL are Baltimore, the number one overall seed, uh, and Houston, who, uh, surprise, surprise, was able to kind of pull it out in terms of that division. Uh, and it's the Rangers uh, needing to go play the tough Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, at the time we're recording this, we know the Rangers ended up winning game one. So uh, we know they have a really strong offense. That'll be interesting. The Twins and the Blue Jays, the other matchup. Uh, we saw the Twins win game one, even though the Blue Jays had a better record uh, and are going into Minnesota. So uh, what are your thoughts? 
of these four wildcard teams, Donnie, I'd be interested to know, who do you think poses the biggest threat uh, to the Orioles and the Astros uh, in terms of competing in the American League? Yeah, you know, uh, the Astros getting to play the winner of Blue Jays Twins is kind of just like, oh, you know. You're right. C- congratulations, guys. You've really, you're, you've made your way to... Uh, you, you, you've got your somehow they've they've managed to figure it out right. uh, it's it's got to be the rangers right like uh, uh whoever wins that series is going to be the threat to baltimore we just know that uh obviously there are people that are still skeptical about the uh, skeptical about the orioles which is crazy at this point get, considering just like a hundred win 101 win team you're kind of sitting there like oh uh, that's tough but realistically like the Rays, very, very tough in-division matchup. Never a guarantee that you can beat them in, in a long series. And the Rangers, um, they do have some pitching issues right now. Max Scherzer still not back. Uh, Jacob DeGrom will not be back, but they did have a great game out of Jordan Montgomery today. Uh, I am, and, and I'm sure you feel the same way, very, very skeptical about their pitching staff like moving forward outside of them. Like, do we really want to have John Gray or like maybe uh, outside of a Nathan Eovaldi? Like uh, it's got to be like a John Gray or Martin Perez game three type deal, which is just, let's be real here. Like that, that's not good. That's really not good when you're going up against the Rays who have uh, 13 different pitchers with different arm angles and they have all these, these analytics and statistics and everything. But um, if it does get to that point, um, it, it's going to be definitely tough. Uh, I would say for them to beat the Rays uh, for the Rangers thread. And, and it just, I'm a little bit surprised almost that this is like how the playoffs are going to end up panning out because it does feel like Baltimore, as mentioned before, has just such a much more difficult pass. Like how did that, how do we get to the point where they have to play the Rangers are raised, but the Astros who like limped into the playoffs are barely good enough to even yeah. get there. They get to play the, the twins who haven't won a playoff <laughs> game before today in two decades or, or the blue Jays who like, come on, the blue Jays are a playoff fraud every year like we know exactly what we're getting how does how does that happen how did the astros do it how did how did they manage this is like the most fair outcry i think i've like ever heard from you donnie like you're so on point with this I hate, so spot on. I hate it how did this happen it's not good no it's not it's not like you just know that the like the rangers are raised they're going to beat each other up for three games and then they're going to beat up the orioles like the orioles will probably like score a bunch of runs early on but then like those teams will claw and fight and, and make that a six or seven game series and the astros are going to be like you know making pasta on their sunday night watching it the twins dude come on yeah they're gonna sweep the minnesota twins in the in the uh in in three games too not even a best of seven so uh yeah you're you're right uh we'll see how it unfolds but i'm i'm forecasting the exact same thing as you are Donnie so let's talk about the NL before we get more mad at, at Rob Manfred and his major league baseball state of, of of what's going on uh the Braves and Dodgers no surprise we've known these teams are studs they they get the buys we won't see them play for a little bit we will see the Phillies and the Marlins and the Brewers and the Diamondbacks I didn't say the Chicago Cubs and you know I don't really want to talk about the Chicago Cubs because I told you exactly what's going to happen if you go back to our end of August podcast I told you exactly what was going to happen with the Cubs. So I don't need to talk about them right now. We will talk about the Phillies and the Marlins, the Brewers and the Diamondbacks, as I just said. Uh, some intriguing series here, Donnie. Let's start with the Phillies and the Marlins. What what do you see out of this one? I mean, the Phillies, we've kind of known they've been in and they were able to hold on, unlike the Cubs. Uh, do you think that the Marlins really pose much of a threat uh, to the Phillies? I mean, I guess if there is a team that was kind of in that range, the Marlins are that team solely because of the pitching. The hitting is certainly not there, I don't think. Um, we're talking about guys that are, are primarily like retreads from around the league, guys that have been kind of tossed out or, or thrown away. I mean, I think you can even look at Miami's lineup tonight as they play. Like Jorge Soler is their two-hitter. Jorge Soler has not – he did not get the, the greatest, the easiest, fair, fairest share of his uh, opportunities. Obviously, the three-hitter tonight is Josh Bell, who has been – thrown out by multiple teams now at this point, given away for essentially nothing. Um, Jake Berger, who was also 
traded for for pretty much like it was, they gave up something to get Jake Berger, but it's it's Jake Berger. Um, we're talking about a team that is very very like a mismatch, a mixed match of of just random random hitters that have happened to do half decent this year. Uh, but the pitching is kind of exciting. Maybe if you're a Marlins fan, you got to think the pitching is what gets you through it. Uh, albeit, you know, you're going to face off against the Phillies pitching, so you're you're probably relying on got to beat Nola or. I don't know, Taiwan Walker, maybe. I don't even know who the, who they'd start in the game three if they get to that situation. But uh, you have to beat one of Wheeler and Nola uh, to extend the series and give yourself a chance, and that's really tough to talk about. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I, I guess the Marlins are a decent enough team to where they look like a, a potential upset alert maybe would be on the horizon. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, and I, I would guess that the Phillies end up walking into the next round fairly easily, but I'm not going to count out the Marlins necessarily like I've, a lot of people have already. So uh, I'm going to be a little more cautious on the take. Uh, probably not going to matter, but uh, maybe the Marlins give a little bit more of a threat um, than I would have anticipated like two, three months ago. Yeah, and I bet the Braves really want to see the Marlins get that upset win after what happened last year um, with the Phillies. So, um, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I wouldn't be too nervous overall. I mean, I, I think much has been made about how incredible Atlanta was this season. Like, they literally had the highest slugging percentage by a team in the history of baseball. Like, what the hell? Like, that's like, like hello? Like, what? 500 slugging percentage as a team? Like, yeah, that's what they were doing this year. So, that's pretty crazy. And then, yeah, let's touch on the other series, too, uh, who, you know, probably is going to end up playing the Dodgers is, uh, you know, you would have to think the Milwaukee Brewers at this point, Donnie. I mean, what would you think about that? Do you think the Diamondbacks have much of a chance uh, in that matchup too? Yeah, it's interesting because I would have told you uh, had they had Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff both pitching healthy, ready to go, I would have said, okay, Brewers, it's over. Like, they've got it. But it doesn't look like Woodruff is going to pitch in the playoffs at all, maybe. So that is a real question mark. Obviously, Freddie Peralta is out there, but then it leads uh, any type of concern if the Arizona Diamondbacks were to win a singular game. Uh, who are you throwing in a game three, RK? You're throwing out Wade Miley or or somebody along those lines. Yeah, they've and done it before. <laughs> it's, it's happened, for sure. It, has happened, yeah. it, it hasn't worked. So right. um, maybe a little bit of a question mark there. Obviously, the game, as as we are currently watching, it's 4-3 Diamondbacks. Um, they threw... Brandon Fat today against Corbin Burns, and it's it's worked to the point where they're up four three midway through the game. So obviously, congrats to the Diamondbacks. But uh, if I was a, a betting man, I would say the the Dodgers will be a heavy favorite against anybody they play, not named the Atlanta Braves in the NL. Uh, even if they did end up facing the Phillies, say in in the uh, final NL series, uh, I would say the Dodgers would be a heavy favorite in that series. But I'm 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 at a loss for words honestly at this point because I didn't anticipate this being a matchup like Diamondbacks Brewers was not the one that I would have pinned as like the go-to I would have thought the Diamondbacks may have missed the playoffs at, at some points midway through the season when we were talking about teams that could potentially uh, surprise Diamondbacks felt like that team and then they just fell off really really hard throughout the second half of the season uh, them making the playoffs at 84 and 78 is like kind of crazy the 84 win team market like they were three games better than 500 and they made the playoffs uh, they shouldn't they don't have any business winning a series, let alone beating the Dodgers. Uh, I wouldn't be super, super worried as a Dodgers fan, but uh, we've seen it. <laughs> They've lost to worse teams before. Uh, you can talk about the Nationals uh, as one of those teams that they have. That they were a heavy favorite against that just didn't end up working out at all. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic until it's an Atlanta series. Uh, I wouldn't bet the Dodgers over the Braves in a series probably this year. I would guess that the Braves, as you mentioned, uh, the best ever uh, offensive team. When you look at all the statistics, like they, they've got – 
they're leading the league in home runs and RBIs and batting average and slugging percentage. Like it's it's just crazy numbers. And then they're pitching. They've got the most pitcher wins. They got the most strikeouts. Like they they've just done they've done crazy crazy stuff this year. Um, so. I would say a Dodgers Braves series would be the the collision course that we're all looking for. If it doesn't get to that point, uh, it will be a very, very unfortunate reality. Uh, I would say, because I mean, like, do you really want to see the Diamondbacks against the Braves? Do you really want to see the Brewers against the Braves or, or like against the Phillies? Like it just, that, there's nothing exciting about that at all. Uh, so I, I would definitely be a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess the Dodgers will clean up against whoever they play, but it, it, anything happens in baseball playoffs. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we were not saying at this point last year that, you know, NLCS would be Phillies and Padres. So, like, are there teams out there that could make kind of that surprise run? You know, the Diamondbacks and Marlins are probably at the top of your list uh, if you were if you were kind of drafting, you know, surprise potential teams. I don't think that that's going to happen, though, uh, for obvious reasons, and mostly because the Marlins can't hit and the Diamondbacks pitching. They're, like, going with an opener in game one. So, like, I mean, how seriously are we really taking it? But, uh, like you said, anything can really happen. We were surprised last year. We'll see what happens this year. Uh, but with that, Donnie, let's get into questions. We've uh, we've talked a lot uh, on this podcast already. Uh, we will answer four different people's questions. Some people have multiple questions, and we'll start with that guy that has multiple questions. Our friend Eric, Eric eighteen Utah on Twitter and Instagram. Our guy Utah man, very excited for some hockey questions, Donnie. Wow, let's kind of change the uh, the tone a little bit here and, and talk some puck for a little bit. This is exciting stuff. Uh, we will be doing more of a full kind of hockey preview uh, next week as we get a little bit closer to uh, opening day and opening puck drop. But uh, Eric wants us to talk about a couple of things. First, uh, he brings up uh, a couple of teams that he wants to get our thoughts on the Sabres, uh, Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators. Uh, everyone kind of, you know, mentions these teams kind of floating around in the Eastern Conference. Uh, is this the year for either of these teams? Donnie, which of these three do you like the most, Buffalo, Detroit, or Ottawa? Yeah, it is interesting because our, our good friend Owen has mentioned time and time again that the Ottawa Senators are kind of a dumpster fire in terms of their salary situation, their cap situation, and there is there are moves that have to be made. Uh, we have seen them drop a couple guys that maybe could have made the roster in terms of prospects, like very, very highly touted or respected prospects that maybe uh, could have had a chance to make the roster uh, and didn't. But uh, I guess from this list, if I had to pick a team that had the best chance to make the playoffs, I'm going to go chalk and I'm going to go with the Sabres because they were the best team last year by a significant amount uh, compared to the other two. I do think the Eastern Conference will be a little bit lighter this year uh, than previous years. I don't think there's any real question about it. We're not going to have the Boston Bruins putting up 135 points or whatever they had last year. Uh, that There's not a chance in hell that that happens. Uh, so I would expect more points to go around for the, the wildcard hopefuls. I don't think it's going to be the Senators or Red Wings year just yet. I think that we're still going to talk about another year uh, waiting there. But if you look at the wildcard teams from last year, like the Islanders are not a lock to make the playoffs. Pittsburgh is not a lock to make the playoffs. They're right behind there. Uh, I Even Florida, like I, I can say there's a question mark there. Uh, those are the teams that Buffalo's have to worry about. I would guess that the Sabres are going to be better than they were last year. And they were a 91-point team, one point out of the playoffs last year. So a full season of having uh, what looks to be an elite young goaltender in, in front or behind uh, an incredible forward talent, like a really, really super highly talented young group. Um, it, it could be interesting. If I'm going to pick a team out of those three, it's going to make the playoffs. I'm going to pick Buffalo. It's not going to be all three of them. And I don't even think we're going to see two of those teams make the playoffs. But uh, Buffalo would be the top of my uh, my tier list here. 
Yeah, I'm pretty much right in line with you. I just, I, I just still am just not there with the Detroit Red Wings. Like, I look at that defense, and I just, it feels like Toronto Maple Leafs from last year to me. Like, they literally have Justin Hall on there, which probably influences this a little bit. But like <laughs> Ben Sherratt, Gostas Bear, Olimata, Jeff Petrie. Like, outside of Mort Sider, it's kind of just like, wow. Like, what do we really kind of got here? I feel like it's just kind of a lot of third pair D. Um, you know, in my opinion, you know, maybe you get a, a better version of Sherratt and Petrie, even though they're veterans than you've gotten in the past. Uh, I don't know. I'm not in love with the goaltending situation with Huso and Reimer either. So, um, yeah, they might be able to score a little bit getting uh, Alex to bring it over there. But uh, I'm not too high on Detroit. So I think that kind of puts you with either Ottawa or Buffalo. We obviously saw a better season from Buffalo last year between these two teams. Um, but I think Ottawa is definitely intriguing, too, at the same time. Like they have a lot of young players that, you know, you could, you know, say, yeah, these are uh, even still pretty underrated players like Tim Stutzla uh, up front. I think in specific, I think is, you know, definitely really good. Thomas Shabbat is definitely one of the most fun young defensemen in the NHL. So, uh, and it maybe if Corpy Salo plays pretty solid for him, a new goaltender, things could change for Ottawa a little bit. So um, I think, you know, between these options, I probably think most likely, yeah, Buffalo, they were right on the cusp last year. Uh, and if Devin Levi could be the guy, then I think, you know, good, good stuff, you know, probably go with Buffalo, but I'm going to go with Ottawa um, as, as my pick for this one, um, just because hockey's kind of random sometimes. And maybe the veteran goalie can give him a little change of pace. Um, and, you know, full year of uh, Jacob Chitrin as well um, is, is kind of interesting to me so uh definitely good uh good teams good observations from eric good question there um next one about your rangers donnie your new york rangers we haven't talked about them in a while it feels like why are people so down on the rangers what's uh what's going on what do you think yeah i would guess that it's probably a mixture of new coach uh who's coached five other teams within the division already uh, in his coaching career which is never an exciting reality uh but i would also say i think it might just be people being too high on teams like the hurricanes and devils uh we have seen uh countless NHL analysts from ESPN to TSN to anywhere in between uh, telling you, oh, the, you know, the Devils and Hurricanes might be two top three teams next year uh, in the league. I don't think that's going to be the case. I would say that at least one of these teams will be a little bit less good uh, than what you would expect. And I mean, like, let's be realistic, RK. Last year, we were very surprised to see the Devils at the top of, of the uh, most of the season. It felt like the Devils were at least right there, if not at the top of the Metro. Uh, ended up one point behind the Hurricanes at the end of the year. I don't think we're going to see two teams go over 110 points in the Metro this year. It doesn't seem like the Hurricanes or the Devils are really that great. Um, all things considered, like in terms of a a a full season, you know, we've got the pieces that are going to stay healthy, that are going to go out there and dominate for us. Like there's definitely question marks on both these teams, whether you look at uh, goaltending is always going to be the one with the Devils. And we know that, and it may hold them back very significantly. We only saw them lose 22 games of regulation last year. Uh, I would assume that we should see uh, worse goaltending than they had last year. They're bringing back a, a similar, the same tandem um, in terms of, you know, Vitek Vanacek, you know, I respect Vitek Vanacek, great player, um, pretty, pretty average level goaltender. Uh, I would say if you're putting him in tier list, he's like a tier three goalie. Uh, it's really hard to win with a tier three goalie when you have all these tier one or tier two goalies in your conference, whether it is uh, obviously Igor uh, Vasilevsky on the other side, who's hurt right now, but will be back. Uh, it, it's tough to compete with these teams. So I, I would say the devils, that's their, their question mark in the hurricanes, just like, are the Hurricanes ever going to win? Are they ever going to go to Stanley Cup? Are they ever going to win a Stanley Cup? It's really gotten to a point with the Hurricanes that's like, we talk about them every year as being a dominant team that should be a, a favorite, should be a top three, top four team in the league. And then they underwhelm, they do something mediocre in the playoffs and they leave everybody with a with a sour taste in their mouth. At some point, the Hurricanes are going to bow out early in the playoffs or have an underwhelming season uh, just in general. It is hockey. Players get hurt. These things happen. I think it's more about 
I think people are overhyping the, the other Metro teams and underhyping the Rangers and maybe even teams like the Islanders and Penguins. Like I've seen people say the Rangers might be the fifth or sixth best team in the Metro. That's just foolish. It's crazy to say. And this is a team that was five points behind the Devils and six points behind the Hurricanes last year. And it should be, um, you know, obviously knock on wood, should be a better roster build than what they had last year. Uh, it looks like they have another year for the young players to grow and they should have some more young depth uh, added to the roster at some point throughout the season. So uh, if there's anything, any answer to that, I would just say it's maybe overhyping the, the, the young Devils, uh, the Speedy Devil, or, or a Hurricanes team that has just constantly been there. But at some point, these teams will slow down. At some point, like, you can't expect the Devils to be a 110-point team next year, regardless of how good they were last year. It just it seems like we might be a little bit – we might have bought in a little bit too much as a hockey community. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's all very fair. Looking around, that whole division uh, is uh, is definitely true. So, uh, all right, well, let's move on. Eric's next question, talking about the Colorado Avalanche, realistic Avs expectations. I mean, I think both of us obviously think very highly of the Avs, Donnie, but um, what are your thoughts on, uh, on what we could expect uh, out of the Avs this year? I mean, the same as last year. I would say, if not the best team in the Western Conference, then the second or third best team in the Western Conference at the very least. Um, I would assume that they will end up battling with the Dallas Stars yet again for the top of the Central Division. I don't think there's really anybody that's that close uh, at this point, at least. And then in the Pacific, like they're going to battle with the Golden Knights and the Oilers probably for the top spot in the conference. I would assume that the Avalanche are the, the heavy favorite out of the Western Conference, all things considered. When you start off the season, uh, look at betting odds, stuff like that, like, it, we look at the Western Conference, RK, and the Avs are just still head and shoulders above everybody else, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think you probably just look at the decor, and that's probably your your short answer. Why? McCarr, Gerard, Manson, Taze, Byram. I mean, it's, uh, it's deep, uh, and it's really talented. So um, I think that obviously gives you a high floor. And when you have a top line that features McKinnon and Rantanen on it, uh, you know, good things are going to follow suit. They did change up a little bit of that forward depth in there. Guys like Ross Colton, Johansson, Miles Wood, Tatar. So it'll be interesting to see how those things mesh. Uh, you know, I think it, it hasn't been a surprise that in the past, sometimes the abs kind of started slow before they really kind of hit their stride in the second half and, and their big time players in the postseason. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that we both think that uh, the abs are, are very much not only Western conference contenders, but, you know, Stanley cup contenders too. So um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, good things coming for the abs, Eric, uh, good news for you uh, as is good things happening for Connor Bedard, which is your next question. Hype levels by the end of the year. I mean, <laughs> if you aren't bought into this guy, I don't know uh, what it's going to take really. Uh, I mean, it's probably pretty high, maybe like a nine point six nine point seven there, there's not much not to like out of bedard uh at this point in time seems like he's just uh, getting ready to tear it up now the blackhawks will be really bad and that will obviously be a big test on on this guy who uh, is coming from a junior team that was pretty mid too they were trying to just like snuck into the whl playoffs and lost so it's not like he's coming from uh you know this top tier uh junior program but nevertheless he, the hawks are going to be pretty bad they're going to be high in the lottery again next year so um maybe that could be the only thing that uh kind of hinders bedard it'll be a little bit longer season even though he's proven he can handle it and international play in addition to the junior season so uh yeah I, there, there's not much negative to say about Bedard at this point in time I would say yeah I mean if I'm answering this question honestly I'm going to give you Connor Bedard specifically he's going to be a 9.9 .9 out of 10 in terms of hype levels and excitement uh, but then you look at the Blackhawks and it'll probably be like a 1.9 out of 10 uh, so it, realistically the hype levels for Connor Bedard will probably end up being somewhere in the eights I would say just because the team is going to be so piss poor even if he puts up like let's say he puts up a 70 point season, which is I think mostly what people are expecting at this point. He's going to play a lot. He's going to be on the power play constantly. He should be uh, realistically RK 22, 23 minutes a night, uh, all things considered when it comes down to it. Like he's going to have a great year to, regardless pretty much. Uh, the, the team, 
it's hard to hype up anybody on a bad team. And, and if there is a player that's going to get that hype, it'll be him. But uh, I'm going to stay, I'm going to say it'll be in the eights. It's not going to be the tens because they're not going to make the playoffs or come anywhere close. Uh, but realistically, RK 59 points last year for the Blackhawks. If they're in the seventies, like flaps, great work. It's, it's all him pretty much, mostly him doing the job. You would assume uh, maybe the seventies a little bit too high to expect, but uh, I'm if they're not hyped about him, you know, you don't, you don't like hockey. Like you're, you're just, you're not a fan. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, we I've been talking about Bedard not only since he got on the Blackhawks, so uh, you guys know it kind of feels like uh, like Jalen Hurts when he got on the Eagles, but this is like times like a million still. Uh, so because Bedard is actually like so sick. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, that's for sure. Not much not to like there. Uh, and then last question. This is a good one. Uh, I'm I'm gonna answer this one first before you, Donnie. But teams to just ignore because they're so bad in the NHL. I gotta say the San Jose Sharks before anything else is said uh, in this conversation. And I'm just gonna take that. And you can say anything else you want because I took the Sharks first yeah you know uh the sharks were, were like one two three and four on my list if we were, yeah. we were naming teams it's, it's just it's it's a tough team to get excited about or, or want to watch uh but i also think you know like anaheim's gonna be in a similar boat i don't think anaheim's gonna be super excited i think arizona is probably a team that you can ignore uh because when have you needed to care about the coyotes it's been it's been tough if you care about prospects maybe a little bit different um but i would say them and then oh, let's be real here rk like i don't want to care about the philadelphia i i, I don't want to care about the Flyers, I don't want to give any any effort or any energy in the Flyers because you know what you're getting out of the Flyers. It's going to be a hellscape of a team that uh, with a coach that is just just a tragic oh. coach to have for that situation, just the worst possible coach to have for that situation. Like, uh, it, I want to ignore them because they're so bad, and I think they're going to be a very high on the ignore level, but it's going to be hard to ignore them solely because it's going to be such a, a clusterfuck, tire fire mess of a team like if there's any team in the Eastern Conference to ignore, it's them. Because I'm not ignoring the Blue Jackets because they have fun young talent. What what are we getting out of the Flyers, RK? What's what's fun out of the, like they have a couple of young guys, but it's just a bunch of bums. Yeah, like you look at the Flyers and you see they're coached by John Tortorella, and you're just like, there's no way this goes well. Like there's not a there's not a world there does not exist a, even a simulation in which the Flyers are are winning the Stanley Cup with John Tortorella behind the bench. Like there's no there's <laughs> Make, it making the playoffs. Out there. Like, Rick and Morty, okay, it doesn't exist. It's so sad. It really is, and it's like the thing is too. Okay, we have to mention with with the Flyers. We grew up on the Flyers being competent and sort of okay, and like the last five years, it's just been like. It's been it's been truly a hellscape for for Flyers. If you're a Flyers fan, you hate Comcast. You hate every every coaching decision they've made. You hate every personnel decision they've made. It's just there's nothing fun. There's nothing good about it until until Mathay's over. Before before Mathay comes over, there's nothing for you to be happy about. When Mathay's here, then everybody you can stand up and be happy. But for now, we're ignoring we're ignoring them 100. percent yeah, you beat me to the uh, Matt Bay line. I beat you to the Sharks line, and True. then you beat me to the Matt Bay line there. Like, I was going to say, if you're a Flyers fan, you're actually better off watching KHL games <laughs> this year than NHL games. It's like, so you'll true. have a way, way more fun time, and you're still, you're still like three years away from Matt Bay. <laughs> That's so sad. That's truly uh, so sad. Yeah. All right. Good questions from Eric. That that gets me fired up for next week's uh, full NHL pod preview. Uh, we snuck that in, Donnie. All of a sudden, we're, we're talking football, we're talking baseball, and all of a sudden, hockey is, is back in our lives. Exciting stuff. Um, but let's move on. Next Next question asker, my uncle, Jason Williams, back question. He wants just a 30-second podcast shout-out on Duke Slater. 
uh, former Iowa offensive lineman. What a shock that that he had a uh, Hall of Fame career. But first black player inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. Like he was playing like during like World War One times. Like this guy is like a way back, way throwback. Duke Slater. Like damn, like this guy is a legend of the game. Uh, literally, there's a residence hall in uh, in Iowa City named after uh, Duke Slater. Slater. So I, I was not a Slater guy. I lived in Hillcrest, but nevertheless, shout out respect to the, to the Slater community out there in Iowa City. But yeah, I mean Duke Slater. You called him Duke. Later, I agree. This guy was a dude. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I uh, I was talking to Archie before the podcast. I had never heard of him before the 2020 Pro Football Hall of Fame induction, and then I looked into him, and everybody's got their nice little blurbs or whatever. Usually, it's about their football experience, but this guy was going to law school while he was in the NFL, and was be- he became a judge while he was in the NFL, while being an incredibly talented player in a time where you know um, we were very. Uh, I, like the, the the info the statistics the news on players from the, the 30s 40 like you, there's not it's very hard to find anything about anybody really back then uh so you know definitely uh an iowa legend we respect the hall obviously uh rk gave me a funny story before about the hall we're a big fan of slater hall here on this podcast a huge oh, yeah. huge slater hall podcast you know he deserves he deserves more than 30 seconds we gave him a minute um we could give him two minutes if we really wanted to but yeah obviously dude slater what what a man you know duke great guy yeah, you're right. We we gave him more than 30 seconds, but this guy was like the OG Christian Worst. Like this guy was mauling people back in the 1910s. Like, look out! Like this guy was a force out there, and uh, and he's still a legend. He's still remembered for just being an Iowa offensive lineman. Like he set the tone, uh, and he set it well for Kirk Ferentz and the boys uh, at this point in time. So good stuff. Uh, appreciate that question and and a Duke Slater shout out uh, on the pod. Uh, let's move on. Next question. This comes from my dad. Plenty of big sporting events in October. Yeah, let's go. You guys listen to the intro. October big month. We're fired up. If we go to any one of them at no cost and no travel time, so we're just there, Donnie. We just show up at a, at a front door, front row seat to any sporting event or game uh, this month. Uh, what are you picking? What's on front of mind for you? Yeah, you know, obviously I'm going to Los Angeles for Astros Dodgers game one of the World Series. Um, you know, that's that's the prediction. That's what you're getting out of me. Obviously, I don't think you expected to get a World Series prediction out of me in this podcast. But that's what I'm giving you. Uh, it will be the revenge year. Uh, I'm going to show up to game one. I'm going to get great seats and I'm going to watch the Dodgers put up 17 runs in the first six innings of the game. It's going to be really, really nice. Um, already, obviously, I'm at the game already, so I've already seen all of this. I'm just just reporting to you but uh, if there's anything there it's got to be the world series with daughters included in it if daughters are not included with it uh, i'm not i'm not going anything i'm sad i'm gonna sit here uh, i was hoping you know rk if this question had been asked at the beginning of the year i might have been thinking like okay maybe i'm talking to, i'm talking a giants game or something they play the jets at the end of the month that could have been a very very exciting matchup but at this point at this point i don't think i don't think jets giants i don't think anybody really wants to like that's not on the list for anybody so no. um we're going baseball world series very excited about that yeah, like Jets Giants at this point, Donnie. Like, not only do you not want to go to that game, like you might not even watch. Like, if you gave me free tickets, I'd be, I'd have to really think about it because like you have to go to MetLife, you have to sit in the parking lot. Like, there's there's a lot of negatives there. Yeah, I I short answer. I, I'm kind of with you. Like uh, like October, like baseball, like World Series action, like Dodger Stadium. Like that would be tough to pass up. But uh, if I am going in another direction, I probably I'm kind of torn between two games uh, in college football this month. We got OU Texas. I mentioned that when we were talking college football. That's just a classic rivalry. Just good stuff. High scoring action. Two teams having good seasons. That would be a ton of fun. And also Penn State Ohio State. Um, this is always a fun matchup too. Uh, and both teams are having you know just outstanding seasons already, ranked in the top ten. So that'll be a, a big time match up uh, and, and both those teams still later this year we have to play Michigan as well who's ranked higher than both of them at this point in time but uh, nevertheless Penn State Ohio State classic Big Ten matchup that would be a, a good one but yeah a lot of games to choose from uh, this month in October 
Yeah, you know, obviously I was – I wanted to mention there is a Miami-North Carolina game that will matter. They could Girl. both be undefeated in, in two weeks, which would be – let me tell you, Arkin, the last time I've seen like a, a week six undefeated Miami team – I don't know if I've ever seen a week six undefeated Miami team at this point. So um, that was on my honorable mention list. I just wanted to add it in there because like the Dodgers, obviously number one professional sports, love my love me some baseball. But uh, we're, we're high on, on the Miami football team. Like when in any years if you'd ask this question, Miami Hurricanes football no. would not have been the list. So we're, 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 we're really feeling good. Yeah, that's a that's a big game for quarterback scouts at this point in time too. Huge we game. knew about Drake Drake May, but uh, Van Dyke for for Miami, your guy Don, he's been uh, he's been playing good football. So good honorable mention shout. Good question uh, for my dad on that one. Uh, I know he'll be making it out to a good amount of games in October uh, himself. Yeah, always getting around for college football. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that. Uh, and now we've reached the end of the podcast, long podcast. Some of you guys just showed up. Uh, most notably, these question askers: my sister Kira, her boyfriend Phil, back again for their designated spot. End of the podcast, folks are ready for for the question this week it's a good one donnie we're gonna have a nice little chat here about this one i'm excited for it uh but let's read the question first uh for each of the 10 decathlon events who would win in each between the two of you so we're having our own 1v1 battle with we'll 10 decathlon events i don't know how we even do this one we can't even play like three video games together before like we got we're, we've had enough so we might need to spread this out over like a week or two uh, but nevertheless, we're, we're, we're going through each of these 10 decathlon events. And we're deciding who would win between the two of us, Donnie. We're, we're not allowed to disagree. We have, we have to agree who's winning, who's losing. Uh, we'll see on that one. But let's just go through them one by one. Uh, let's start with the 100-meter dash. Uh, who do you got, Donnie, between me and you? Yeah, so I, I really put some thought into this one. I'm going to take you for the 100-meter dash. I think that you probably beat me uh, solely because you are uh, – significantly skinnier you have some height on me i think that your running strat is probably significantly better than my running strat is i run like a little little little, little pips, pipsqueak i just i hit the floor over and over with my feet i don't get any any real length on my run so i would definitely say 100 meter dash i'll give it to rk yeah, I, I'd probably leave myself too. Like, I, I really don't think I have strong acceleration. So, like, this is going to be a little downfall. But I definitely hear what you're saying on the stride. I do have a, a, a little bit, a small height advantage. So, you know, might be able to, to take that one. You know, now we're really mixing it up, Donnie. We're adding 300 meters onto this thing. The 400-meter dash. What are, what are your thoughts? You know, I, it's going to be closer here, I think, that I'm still going to give it to RK. But I think that I would I would compete a little bit. I run a lot of, di like, distance. I, I have a lot of endurance in me. I do a couple miles every day. Um, not necessarily for speed, but the, the endurance races, I'd be a little bit better often. Uh, if I'm giving you 400 meters of my top performance, it's probably still not good enough to beat you. Uh, but I, I would say it could be like a photo finish. I'm going to take RK by, like, a, like a, a couple strides here. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd probably lean me uh, as well here uh, on the uh, on the added three hundred meter dash uh, for pretty much the same reasons. Uh, I think you know distance. You know, you might have me, Donnie. I'm more of a distance biker than a distance runner. So I think I can, might be able to take you for these meter calculations. I'm more of a miles guy, but you know, decathlon events do it as they do. So uh, all right, let's move on to the next event, the long jump. What do you think here, Donnie? Yeah, again, I'm going to give it to RK. I, this will be the last one that I'm giving to RK uh, immediately, but I think RK's got a little bit uh, better chance. Obviously, the height will play a massive, massive difference in this one, and I do think uh, you probably are a little bit more aerodynamic than I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more through the ground and a little bit more weight on me. I think you would fly uh, a little bit further than me, so I'm going to give you the long jump as well. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm for this. I, I see all that. I feel like I feel like long jump could be decent for me. You know, I feel like I, I got a little explosivity in me. So, yeah, let's do it. Long jump. I'm down for it. Uh, high jump is next on it. We had to we had to specify this is different than the pole vault. So this we're just jumping off two feet here. Uh, but uh, high jump. Who do you got? 
Yeah, I'm going to take myself on the high jump because I don't think either of us would be very good at this. I think it would be a very quick and early exit for both of us, but I think I could probably manage to figure it out. Um, I think that there's probably a, a, a spot here where being short and being condensed may help me. If I found the sweet spot, I might be able to figure that one out. So I'm going to give myself the high jump, maybe out of pity, uh, but I, I, just, I don't think either of us are doing very well on the high jump market. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I uh, I don't like my chances here in high jump. Uh, I don't think that's would go very well uh, for me. So I, I'm with you. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Donnie on the high jump. Uh, shot put is next. So we just got to launch this like large ball in the air. Who's winning, Donnie? Yeah, so when we get to the field parts and we get away from the track parts, I think that's where I would benefit here a little bit. I think I've got more upper body strength than you do just slightly here. Uh, so I would take myself in the shot, but I don't think it would be pretty for either of us, Arkane. I'm going to be honest. I think we would, we would be, if we were doing this in front of like the Olympic crowd, they'd be sitting there laughing their asses off watching us try to do this. But I, I'm, I'm going to back myself just by, I don't know what they even measure it by, but uh, a couple feet, a couple meters. I, I don't I don't even know. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to take myself in the shot put. Uh, I feel like I, I have, like, ironically, like, my arms are very, like, thin. So I feel like I can just, like, for whatever reason, just, like, launch this thing, like, super straight. Like, and they'll just, like, let it sit there. And I'll just, like, be, like, struggling. You have to, to remember, the shot put is 16 pounds, RK. It's a 16 I mean, it, it, it Neither of us are going to do not, anything. Neither yeah. of us are. We're, we're both getting getting cooked on this one for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna back myself on the shot put, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm competing, you know, internationally here, just a head to head with Donnie. All right, uh, now, now, now I'm scared because we got the 110 meter dash with hurdles. So we're not only we're running, but we're jumping, Donnie. I mean, who do you like in the hurdles? I mean, I'm thinking we're we're both getting DNF'd in this one. Uh, every hurdle will be knocked down to the ground. I don't think either of us have a good chance, but I'll, I'll give you this one because I do think the height and and the uh, me having a couple extra pounds on you will will work heavily in your favor i would say uh, i think that you might have a chance to figure out the hurdles if you did like a little bit of practice i don't think i'm figuring out the hurdles okay i think the hurdles are that's a lost cause for me yeah i uh i there was there was like one summer the covid summer where i would like uh go for like jogs uh outside uh at like the local like junior high school where i went and there was one day where a hurdle was just like left out there and i worked up the courage to jump over it and i did it and it was like the greatest feeling and i'll never forget it so one time hurdler here and uh, I'm taking myself on the hurdles because of that. So, yeah, shout out. After Kissick Junior High, that's what's up. Shout out to the hurdle. All right, next one, the discus throw. I don't have experience in the discus throw. I played ultimate frisbee and frisbee golf, but no discus throw formally for me, Donnie. Who, who do you like? Yeah, this is a very technique-based game uh, event, whatever. And I'm going to back myself in this one because I don't think, again, I think both of us, this, this is the last event that neither of us really had a chance in doing anything well in. Uh, I think it would be a, a heavy failure for both of us because you're spinning around and you have to stay inside the little, little circle and everything. There's a, a huge chance for disaster arc, a massive, massive chance for disaster, but I'm, I'll back myself in this one. Uh, it's not going to be, not going to be pretty showing. I'm not going to beat you by much if I do beat you. Uh, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to raise my hand on this one. I'll take this. Yeah, I feel like I need like at least a couple attempts. Like the first one, like I'm definitely throwing that. And it's like that video where he's like, what the fuck, Richard? And he like threw it like way over to the right. Like if you know, you know, like that would be me. So like I need a couple practice throws. If I don't get it, I'll go with Donnie. If I get a couple practice throws, I get to warm up, which I'm assuming there's there's got to no, be something here. No, zero warm ups. You're going, to, you're going to. Okay, then then Donnie wins. If I get a warm up, if, if you out there feel I get a warm up, then I'm taking myself. Just to let the record show that. All right, now we've reached the part where I actually have more nightmares than the hurdles because we got to go like 20 feet further in the air. It's the pole vault, Donnie. We, we had to figure out the exact specifics here. But yeah, you got to like jump on this pole and lift yourself up and then get over another super high bar. I mean, uh, what do you think? I, I, again, if there was a if there was a real DNF chance, 
the DNF chance of us getting over the pole with with a little metal. I don't even know like what it is that they stick in the ground to jump over. Like I really have no idea what that's made out of. Uh, but I'll, I'll give this to you. I don't I don't back myself in any manner here, RK. I think you could could lanky your way over the the little bar. I think I'm knocking the bar over every time. I don't think there's even a chance for me. Yeah, if, if I if I if I try it, I mean, there's no guarantee. I even just like put that thing in the ground and like get off the air. Like, I feel like I just get like anxiety. Just look. I think it. that's where it goes downhill when you start having you have to plant the thing. I yeah. think I go, that's where both of us just just take the L. I think. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, sure. I guess by default I'll take the pole vault, but I have low confidence here. Last two uh, on the uh, on this, you know, decathlon. Wow, we've we've really we've really been working through this thing. The javelin throw, Donnie. What what do you think? Yeah, I think the head-to-head, I think I've already lost the decathlon, but I'm going to take the javelin throw for myself because I did try this a little bit. Uh, when we were in middle school, we had a little bit of a of a warm-up, and I was actually good at the javelin throw. I couldn't really even – I didn't even know what it was, to be honest, until I Googled it, but I did remember seeing um, seeing the, the big – I don't even know if you're throwing a javelin, I guess, but I don't know how you, how you compare that to like something that we throw on a normal basis. But uh, I guess I would take myself – I think that this is, again, this is like a big boy sport. This is a you, – you've got to be a beefy fella to be good at this, or at least you've got to have a lot of – a lot of muscle, upper body, and and lower body strength. A lot of lower body muscle, and I've got I've got some weight on you. I've got some some muscle on me, at least upper body muscle. I'm sure your legs are are as strong as mine because you are a big cycler and all that. But uh, I think that just my my sheer upper body strength would be able to to will me to a pity victory here after I've lost six of the the first eight events. Yeah, I uh, I agree with this. I like the variety in events here because it does kind of mix it up. Like, you know, these like little running things like, yeah, I kind of like my chances, but like javelin throw, like, uh oh, like I might be might be in trouble here and uh, a little bit lighter than the shot put. I'm not like throwing throwing dimes, throwing touchdowns out there with the javelin. I don't think so. Uh, I'm gonna take Donnie on the javelin throw. Uh, and then the last one, 1500 meters, we reach the distance run, which uh, we outlined a little bit earlier. I like Donnie in this one um, for uh, for his distance running experience on me. But do you agree? Donnie. Yeah, it's pretty much a mile. It's just under a mile of running when you do 1500 meters. And I think I run multiple miles pretty much every day, like six out of seven days in the week, sometimes seven out of seven days in the week. And I, I could probably figure out the mile run. Uh, I'm not sure how well you would you would be able to pace yourself if you went and ran a mile around a track right now. Um, I, I don't know if you've been doing much running or much distance running in your time uh, up at up at gate, but uh, I, I do a lot of distance running. So I'll back myself in this one. I don't back myself in any of the other running ones, uh, specifically the hurdle one. But if there there is a running event that I can win, I think that the, the just under a mile run, I, I can manage this one because I've always been a decent runner. I've always been able to figure that one out. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm taking you uh, as well. So yeah, wow, what a what a decathlon event that thankfully we can just talk about and not actually do. Now we have to do it. Yeah, we got- no, I'm not doing a pole vault. Like no chance. This was just for the podcast. Like you're you're not getting any ideas out there. Okay, so no no 2023 Rothpot Olympics coming. That's 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 not in the in the books here. No, this was this was for the end of the podcast only. There's no other way for you to listen to this than to have made it all the way through or just shut up at the end, which we love you guys too. Thanks for coming by, making Rody on the Horn a part of your day. It's been a long podcast, but it's been a lot of fun too, Donnie. Why don't you go ahead and wrap us up? Yeah, absolutely. We do appreciate everybody who does listen, ask questions, all that good stuff. We have been blessed with October. October is here. October has arrived. We have talked about October being a fantastic sports month uh, for the multiple years that we've been doing the podcast. And it does look like that is going to be the case once again, especially given the fact that, you know, one of our football teams individually each uh, is good. So there is something fun to talk about for both of us most weeks. Uh, Miami on my side, obviously the Eagles on your side. I don't know if you want to call Iowa good because I don't think Iowa is a good football team necessarily, but it is. Uh, just Duke Slater. 
Duke Slater, obviously. We love Duke Slater on this podcast. We are a Duke Slater podcast first. Obviously, Sheck West is a big Duke Slater fan. That's where he got his inspiration to become uh, just a famous musician, obviously. So we really appreciate that. But yeah, everybody who listened, we really, really appreciate everybody um, just for tuning in, even if it is for five, 10 minutes. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful time for us to record. We really appreciate uh, everybody who does listen. And we will be back yet again next week with episode 171 of the Rodeo on the Horn podcast. Peace, everybody. Peace. Life couldn't get better. This gon' be the best.